Welcome to the Topeka First Assembly podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. And so I want to I want to uh, get into the Word of God today with you. We're going to be looking over in Second Timothy, uh, but of course I'll mention some other scripture here too. But Second Timothy chapter two, and I'm going to continue on in this series that adversity becomes opportunity. Uh, if you know the Word of God, you're, you're going to know this guy, and his name was Paul. We we call him Paul. He used to be Saul, and uh, God used his life, but. Uh, he, he didn't start out as a great man, uh, but at least he was passionate, right? He was a passionate individual. He had to change his uh, outlook on life. He had to uh, change his perspective just a little bit. And uh, before he could really become the person uh, that God wanted him to be, he, he had to uh, make some adjustments in his life. And this guy walked through a tremendous amount of adversity Uh, in his walk of faith, and and God opened some doors of opportunity that may have never been opened uh, in his life uh, towards the end of his life. But but God did those things, and uh, Paul had to become faithful during those challenging times in his life. And and God may work through your life and uh, through some of the adversities that you are walking through or that you face or have faced in your life, God can turn those things and use them uh, really to become a blessing even when it seems like that they weren't a blessing at that time, right? He can do it. And our key scripture really comes back over out of uh, James. And in James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, uh, James writes this. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now, we, we read that last week, and we have to be able to remind ourselves of the Word of God on a regular basis, and, and we have to get it down in our minds. And, uh, and he goes on, and he says a few more things there, but, but God can produce something good in and through your life when you celebrate and when you follow what God is doing in the middle of the struggle. And if you look at that uh, term there, consider it, as uh, James writes there, we we see ourselves blessed and victorious even when troubles and opposition are real, because they are real at times, right? That's the way life is. And and the obstacles that, that we face don't necessarily take us further from God. Uh, and some people may look at that and say, oh, I'm not sure about that, but really they end up developing us if we allow God to work in our lives in those situations. Uh, and not only does he develop us, but he can develop and impact other people's faith because of what God has walked us through in our lives. And the Apostle Paul, as one of those uh, men that went through a lot of adversity and and in it, he helped others like Timothy. And we're going to look here at Timothy, what he says to Timothy. And, uh, and, and to, he helped him to learn to press on in faith themselves. There's a guy over in England. His name was Malcolm Muggeridge. And uh, wouldn't you like to have that name? Well, he, wa- he was a uh, British journalist, and he was even a spy in World War II. And uh, later on in his life, he wrote these words. He said, contrary to what uh, might be expected, I look back on the experiences 
that at times seemed especially uh, desolating and painful with particular satisfaction. It's interesting. Then he goes on to say, indeed, I, I can say with complete truthfulness that everything I have learned in my 75 years in this world, everything ha that has truly enhanced and enlightened my experience has been through affliction and not through happiness. Is that guy crazy or what? <laughs> I don't think we like that one, do we? Oh, we don't like that, but... But maybe, maybe Malcolm says this because it's, uh, it's from what you learn out of that and in those adverse times or how your faith grows in those times as well. So there, there's a couple components to that that we need to allow God to work in our lives when we walk through challenges. And so, some of our adverse experiences can help us grow stronger and build our faith stronger in God who cares. Because he cares. Our, our problem tends to lie in the place where we uh, short circuit what God's doing. And, you know, we can do that in so many different ways. Uh, and uh, we have to be able to keep uh, our focus on him for the long term, uh, recognize what he's saying. But how do we short, short circuit? Well, we can do it in, a, in a, many ways. One of those ways we could just say, uh, bye, I'm out of here, God, or, or by choosing an easy path instead of the path that we're on that God says, hey, we need to walk down this path together. And, and, and so here we see, uh, we want to listen to the words of the Apostle Paul as he's speaking uh, to Timothy. And he has, uh, uh, Timothy's his spiritual son, right? And he calls him a good soldier of the faith, so to speak. And, and he talks to him and encourages him, but, but where's Paul writing from? He's not writing from a palace. He's not writing from the temple. He, he's not writing from uh, some nice place in some posh couch, you know, that he could sit back and relax and enjoy himself. But he's writing from jail. The guy's, the guy's imprisoned at this point. And, and this is some of the things he says over in verse 1 of uh, uh, 2 Timothy 2. He says this, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. And he says this, he says, join with me in, in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. It's interesting here that Paul tells Timothy to join him in suffering like a good soldier. It's like, what, what are you thinking? It's like he's, he's uh, uh, trying to uh, help him to keep up the fight of faith and the things that they are struggling with as they're trying to share the gospel with so many different people in a world that wasn't always too happy about the message they had. And we live in similar, a similar world context. It's not quite exactly the same, but it has a lot of those same elements that they had in the time of Paul and Timothy. And they're sitting there in a difficult place, and Paul's saying, uh, keep on moving. He's like, keep on moving. Yeah, you may be suffering a little bit, but keep on moving. And many people don't want to talk about suffering because they want relief from it, right? Isn't that what we do? 
we want relief from it, right? So you stub your toe, what do you want to do? Well, you, you, you want to hold on to your toe and, or if you have to put something on it to make the thing feel better, right? You, you don't want to just stay in that condition. And uh, sometimes uh, we, we find that uh, some followers of Jesus don't want to discuss it because they, they feel like Christianity has swung one direction or the other. Because you have those, and there's a couple different extremes. And one of those extremes is that everything we do is suffering. Everything we do is suffering. Well, that's one extreme. And on the other side of that is that we should never suffer. God's people should never suffer. And, and uh, the truth is really somewhere here in the middle of this. Because Jesus himself, when he is dealing with issues at hand, uh, he is, uh, he's pretty plain about those who follow him will face some very tough things at times. And uh, you just can't really get away from that. That's just a reality. And we all do suffer, but, but Jesus uh, really kind of helped people with it. You, you need to be able to look and listen to what Paul is saying to Timothy. Because adversity is part of life, right? It's, it's just part of the things that we have to deal with in this world that we live in. And, and uh, what's important uh, is how we handle it and for us to notice and recognizing what God may be doing or saying in the middle of those times that we are walking through. So we need to be able to uh, listen to him. We may need to be able to recognize what he's saying and doing in the middle of that. And that's probably some of the most important things for us to be able to uh, learn from that. And I'm not saying God throws things on you just so you can learn. No, God's a good father, and he's better than any earthly father even anticipated being or as a tried to be. God is a very good father. There's none comparable to him. Now, if we look at what Paul goes on to say over here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, he says this, uh, in verse 8, he says, Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel from, for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here's a trustworthy saying, he goes on to say, if we died with him, we will also live with him. And if we endure, we will also reign with him. Those are some, those are some key words that the Apostle Paul is teaching the body of Christ through Timothy. And we get to be hearers of that. We get to read it and then apply it to our lives. When Michael was talking this morning, when he was going through, leading us through worship, he talked about living from victory. And we talked about that, that last song a little bit there. It's a reminder, this is what Paul was saying. Do you see what he says there in verse 8? He, he refers to Jesus not just dying on the cross. He refers to him as raising from the get dead. And so he's talking about the resurrection and we live from that resurrection victory that has happened for us on the cross. Now, we may not always see that, that victory right in front of us, but we still have to live from that and what Christ has done for us. And, and he says in those last few verses, if we endure, we'll also reign with him. 
Where's Paul? He's saying that, he's saying that from being in prison. He's saying that from being in a very precarious situation. Uh, and you may even say, well, I've got some precarious situations in my life as well. Well, you may, but re recognize that he can say these things and he's stuck in a very difficult situation himself. So the first thing, we're going to look at a couple things here. And the first one is we need to be able to keep perspective. We need to be able to focus on the big picture in our walk with Jesus. We have to be able to keep the big picture, so keep perspective. Paul, Paul had learned to keep perspective in his walk with Jesus, uh, and now for him we could say that he was a, we could say he's a professional preacher. Now I despise that term because I don't think that's the way the scripture would say it, and, I, and uh, we, we, I just don't like that, but it was his main job in the sense that that was his calling, but that wasn't his only job. And so here we have, we have Paul, he's this, this, that was his chief vocation. So some may say, well, I'm not a professional preacher. How in the world can, can this even relate to me? Well, aside from the work God gave him to do, Paul was a normal guy like you and I. And, and I'm sure that he had some dreams for himself. I'm sure that he had hopes I'm sure that he probably enjoyed sitting back with friends, drinking tea and eating crumpets, right? <laughs> well, we don't necessarily do that here. But uh, maybe drinking a, drinking a Coke and, and having, a I don't know, a pot pie or a cinnamon roll. I'm sure he enjoyed doing those kind of things, and that's what meant something to him, being with others and, and all of that. See, sometimes what happens for us is we misconstrue the Word of God, and we look at these guys in the Scripture, and we put them on such a pedestal that we think they're not like us. But they are. They're very much like us. And they had very challenging things, and God did some good things in their lives and through their lives. But, but Paul, in Paul's uh, adverse circumstances, he had, had uh, put a limit on what he uh, could, in, or I should say that the, being in the circumstances he was in put a limit on him because he had guards around him, right? And they, they basically limited him on what he was able to do. And so he had to be able to keep the big picture in life, and we likewise need to be able to keep the big, big picture. Because what are we doing here? Well, we're being the hands and feet of Jesus to others, and we're helping those who, are, who need a, a encouragement, that needs help. And, and for us, no matter where we are in our lives, we have to be able to put our trust and our faith in Him. The Lord has a plan for every one of us, and He has a plan to work through our lives. And we see even... Uh, we, even though uh, you may consider Paul this pro-preacher, you, you remember that that wasn't his only job, and he, he had to make a living, and, and so he made tents uh, for a living. Uh, not only did he preach, but he had these other responsibilities that he had to take care of so he could put food on the table, and I'm sure others helped him at times, and they probably helped each other from what we understand. And another part of this is that, that Paul uh, is similar to us, is that he was a follower of Jesus first. He was a follower of Jesus first. He wasn't a preacher first. Uh, he wasn't a prophet first. He wasn't all these other things. He was a follower of Jesus first, and he had to grow in his relationship with God. And only then was he able to be a preacher of the gospel. Not only did he, 
need his own faith to be strong during adversity, but, but it was after this that he shared with others. It's the same for you. First and foremost, uh, your, your relationship with God is number one. It's number one. That's the most important thing. And then after that, you're a witness of Jesus. But how can we be a witness of Jesus if first and foremost, we're not a follower of Jesus? First and foremost, we have to follow him and we have to allow him to work in our lives. And and we can't misunderstand something here. It isn't simply the professional preacher's job to preach and to share the good news of Jesus with others. It's every believer's responsibility to be able to share the good news. You have to remember that Jesus, when he sent, he sent out the 12, right? He had his 12 disciples and he sent them out and he sent them out to preach and he sent them out to heal. He sent them out to minister to the lives of people. That's what he, what he did, but, but he didn't stop there. After that, he, he sent out, after he sent out the 12, he also sent out the 72. After that, we don't even know all their names. We, we, we don't even know every one of their names, and he sent them out as well. And we see that over in Luke. In, in Luke chapter 10, verse 1, it says, After this, the Lord appointed 20, uh, 20 I'm sorry, he had appointed 72 others and then uh, and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. But it, but it didn't end there after uh, his resurrection. He, he commissioned us all to go and to tell others. You've been commissioned. Each of, each of us as followers of Jesus have been commissioned to be able to be a witness of Christ in the world. And, and now we are back into, into 2 Timothy chapter 2. And, and in verse 9 he says this again. This is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. So he's been in jail a few times for the gospel. E- even then, uh, the, uh, this adversity, uh, uh, in this adversity, his perspective uh, was, was right. And, and how, how do we know? Because he said, but God's word is not chained. His word is not changed. His word is not limited. And Paul realized that even though he was stuck, that God would not let the message be held back because of the adversity that Paul was going through. And maybe you feel like the the adversity that you are in or have been in the past uh, creates an impossible situation for you. But, But you have to remember that God's hands are not tied. They're not tied. You may feel like his hands are tied at times, but that means you need to be able to change your viewpoint. You need to keep the big picture. We all have to be able to keep the big picture, right? Uh, we have to have that. And, and it may be that you feel like uh, this guy, the guy uh, sitting on the side of the road and uh, you're out there, maybe you had a flat tire or something and you're sitting on the side of the road and, and, and there you are and you sit there for 20 minutes if on a curb and are like, like what am I going to do? I don't have a tire tool. I don't have a jack. I, I don't even know if the spare tire, where it's at, if I even have one on this car. And so you're, you're sitting there wondering and in a quandary for 20 minutes sitting on the curb, not sure what to do. And all of a sudden it hits you. I've got AAA. 
my goodness, I got AAA. I, I forgot I got that. And then you pull your cell phone out. You look, you got service there and everything. And so you call AAA up and they answer and they said, yeah, we'll be there. It'll be a while. We can't tell you exactly when it's going to be, but we'll be there. And so you, you sit back down and say, well, at least they're coming. And so you got that going. And, and so you know that helps on the way, right? You sit there for a while, you sit there for a while, and you what? are they coming? Are they going to come? So the question is, why do you sit on the curb so long and wonder where help is? As soon as we face adversity, you need to be able to get on your knees and ask for help. As soon as we face adversity, just a reality. When it, sometimes when I'm in a, in a situation and it's like, I'm right there in the smack dab middle of it. And I, I can't go off and say, well, okay, I'm going to go and pray. I'll be back in about 30 minutes. Uh, you can't always do that, right? Got your eyes open, looking at the situation, and you're praying, saying, God, help us in the situation. See, sometimes people think they have to ha fold the hands, they have to bow the knees, they have to shut their eyes. You can be driving down the road. God, I need your help. I need you to help in this situation. I don't know what to do. I need your hand to work. And we have to be willing to ask him, but sometimes we have to be asked, need to ask him quickly. Because sometimes what happens, we're overtaken when we don't ask, ask him quickly. Let's get to it and ask him. And ask him, we, we need to be able to keep our perspective. And, and, and Paul said something else to Timothy after he said, uh, God's word isn't chained. And in keeping the, with the right perspective, he goes on to say in verse 10, uh, these words, he said, therefore, remember that's all, the word therefore is there for a reason, right? Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. See, his, his perspective and his vision helped him to endure he, he was able to endure because he had the right perspective. He had the right vision to see what God wanted to do. And, and it, was, it was like this for Paul. He basically said he could, he could put up with anything that life had to throw at him so that people could hear about Jesus. He, he was willing to face those adverse circumstances. Uh, and if that's what it took to present the gospel of, uh, uh, to people who would listen. See, we, we need that kind of endurance, don't we? We need that kind of endurance to be able to keep strong and to continue to share the gospel in your workplace, with your neighbors. You just don't know. I, I was uh, coming home the other day and somebody uh, came to see me, a neighbor, and said, hey, I need, some, need you to talk to me about the situation. And so... We got to talk for a while. I got to try to help the best I could in that scenario. And, and, and that's just, and, and it was hot outside. <laughs> but that's what you do. You, you walk through those things, and it may be at your work, or it may be a neighbor for you, and they say, hey, well, what about this? I, I need God to help, or I don't know if there is a God. What do you think? And, and God opens the door for you, and God helps you to, and it's through those times that to be able to share a truth to them and, and assist them in their life. See, we need this kind of endurance, but some would say, well, he's talking about preaching the gospel. 
Isn't that what he's talking about? I agree with that. That is what he is dealing with specifically in this scenario. And it is for us followers of Jesus, we need to have that kind of tenacity to share Jesus with others. And because of this, it's, our, it's part of our calling as followers of Jesus. That's part of your calling as a follower of Christ. And when you share Christ at times, you can face opposition like Paul did, but, but God can turn that opposition around and make it into some kind of an opportunity for his glory. He's just capable of doing that. This is, this is also an internal truth that we can relate to our lives when we face general adversity. We can recognize that he's there with us and you can keep the right perspective and it will help you to endure your adverse circumstances and God can help you when you keep that perspective. But there's a second part that we need to consider here. Second part of that is this. What if the blessings that you ask for are hidden in the trouble you face? Now that's a frustrating question, isn't it? <laughs> What if the blessings you are you you ask for you ask God for what what are that are, they're hidden in the trouble that you face now Paul has been under house arrest he's he's uh, he's been uh, on the inside of a jail he was even shipwrecked and he and he, and he uh, was going to face Caesar in person because he filed an appeal according to the day uh, and on his way he uh, towards the appeal he's on his way, and he gets shipwrecked with a bunch of other prisoners. And it's a pretty good-sized vessel from what we understand because they, they, were, they get shipwrecked and they, they land at Malta, right? They don't quite land, but they get to Malta. And in Acts chapter 28, uh, Paul is getting some wood after they kind of float to shore on whatever piece or part that they can float on, Right? Remember, it wasn't plastic and fiberglass. It's kind of wood or whatever they had. I doubt that they had any foam, you know. And so here they are. They, they get to that place, and, and, uh, and now there they are. Uh, he's getting wood for the fire. And he gets bit by a snake. So I'm sure that once they floated to shore, uh, I doubt that the Apostle Paul said, hallelujah, that was a great shipwreck. I just don't think he did. I don't think he ever would have done that, uh, and uh, I don't think so. But, but in Acts chapter 27, it says there were 276 people on that ship. There was a lot of people on that vessel. It, it was not small, either that or it was really heavy and tall. I don't know. Uh, but, but there they are, they made it to the shore, and God used Paul's influence to the commanding officer to spare all the prisoners. All these guys, all these people there, and uh, there they are, they're, they're, they're fixing to shipwreck, they're in this horrible storm, and I, I, I'm, uh, I'm sh you know, they were, the soldiers were going to kill them. That's what they are going to do, because it's like, what else can we do? We don't have anybody else to get these guys, and so we're going to knock them all off and we'll be done with it. As bad as that is, that's what it was going to happen. 
And I'm, I'm sure that Paul could say, praise God, we're still alive once they get to the shore, right? I'm sure he could say that. And, and so back, back to the island here again. So Paul collects this wood. He gets bitten by this lethal snake. We know it's a viper, so it's probably one of those one, two, three vipers. You know, one step, two steps, three steps, you're dead. And we know they're out there. There's no question about that. And, and so he, he gets through that, and he shakes it off, and he's okay. It freaks them all out, at least all the locals out on Malta, and they're, they're a little wondering about this. And, and God uses this, uh, uses all of Paul's adversity to reveal God's grace to the people on Malta. This was the second or the third time that Paul uh, faced some serious adversity, uh, but it was, the, it was the first time for these people's salvation and hope. In Christ. So Paul's prayer for the people to come to faith in Jesus was coming to pass. He had been praying. And God did everything through the, the, this heavy adversity that Paul faced. And then, then over in Acts chapter 27, verse 7, uh, Luke goes ahead and he writes and he records and he says, there was an estate nearby that, that belonged to Publius, whatever his name is, the chief official of the island, and he welcomed us to his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. It's pretty cool what God was doing here in this. God had opened this door of opportunity through the adversity because the guy got bit by a snake, and they expected him to die out of it because they knew on that island that's what happens if you get bit by one of those guys. And so, and so uh, God had opened this door, and it wasn't through a peaceful, easy situation, was it? It wasn't, for a, it wasn't through an easy situation at all. And, and, and so we find uh, what happens, we find out what happens here in verse 8. Verse 8 says this, His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery, and Paul went in to see him. And, and after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured, and they honored us in many ways. And when we were real, uh, ready to set sail, they furnished us with supplies we needed. After all, the, all that stuff they went through, it's like time after time the Apostle Paul is going through this, and these other guys are in the ride with him, right? 270-some people there, they're all, uh, they're all in the ride, uh, and so they're walking through this thing, or they're floating through it. Uh, and, and now here they are in this situation, and God reveals himself in that. And I, I wonder how many of those people, uh, of the passengers, were there with him. You're, you almost have to extrapolate here that they were probably there somewhere with him, or at least that Paul had some guards with him because they weren't going to let him go, right? They just weren't going to do that at this point. So, so, so there, God was doing some good things, and there were some serious blessings in the pain that Paul faced. God turned those things over and used them to work in the lives of many people. And, and remember what he said earlier. He said, God's word is not chained. His word is not chained. Now press forward. Press forward in the will of God for your life, in the purpose of God for your life. 
You may have faced some experiences in your life that you feel like God could never salvage them. You may say, God, I, I don't know how you could salvage this X, Y, Z in my life. I don't know how you could salvage this thing over there in my life. But God can turn things around and use them for good. God can turn those things around. We just have to open our hearts up to him, open our lives up to him, and let him work in those situations. Uh, and you have to, you, you, I'm sure you face many different experiences in your life that you just think you can't do anything about, but you know God can work. God can salvage some of the most difficult things that we face in this life. And that's what happened in the Apostle Paul's life. And so he's trying to encourage Timothy in that too and trying to help him. And so we know that God can work. Maybe you didn't even believe in God at one point. Or maybe you had given up on your faith. And God can take that situation and turn it around for you to share hope with people who are in the same situation. It may be your pain, it may be your struggle that can be transformed into the hope for someone else who is hurting. So when you look at Paul's life, he had become, but when he was still Saul, he had been a passionate, misguided man. And once he came to faith, it's like he dealt with every form of mis misguided people out there in the world. They may have been some of the Greek philosophers. We know he dealt with them at Mars Hill. That, that was that philosophy was their thing. It wasn't so much religion, although there may be some element of religion with that. But they, they, they were the philosophers. He dealt with them of the day, and he was able to run with the big ones. And it could have been people like those at Ephesus who worshipped the false god uh, uh, Artemis. Or it could have even been those on the island of Malta who worshipped the false god that, that was called Justice. Because they, they did as well. That, you know, there's a lot of Greek, uh, uh, Greek teaching throughout that area. And so that's, that would have been the case. But it was, it was even some of his own countrymen who loved whom he loved, God's people. Not only did he reach out to them, but God took Paul's own adversity and turned it around to change the lives of many people. It helped others. And the, tr the truth is, is it also helped Paul because in keeping the right kind of perspective, it helped him to press into God's plan for his own life. And God may have some things for you in the future, and you need to be able to press into what God has for you in your life. And allow him to work those things in you and let those things that may have been really painful in your life, let God bring healing in those things and let God turn those things around and somehow use it for his glory. Even in, Paul, the, in the, uh, Paul's chains, he was able to write so many life-changing epistles, so many letters, and, and you and I are recipients of that. And much of the rest of the world is a recipients of that, of many people who are able to read the Word of God. Here Paul was writing from a cell to Timothy, and we, we find so many letters he wrote that give direction to God's people. And sure, we, Many of those epistles dealt with subjects that were specific in nature. They, were not, they not only spoke to people in the time, uh, times that Paul lived, but even to us today in our human experience. 
And we have to recognize that God's word is not chained to 67 A.D. or 64 A.D., well, whatever time it was. God's ability to work in your life is not chained to some other century. It's not chained all. Back in the 1800s, people believed more. Back in the 1900s, people believed more. Whatever, no, it's not chained to those things. God is able to work through your troubles just as he can work through blessing. But, but I just imagine that when he works through your pain, it'll be something that you won't forget. And maybe that's why what Malcolm said, as I shared with you in the beginning, maybe that's why those things stand out so much to us. As we wrap this up this morning, Paul's path may not be just like your path. It may not be like your path. You, you may not have been surrounded by a mob because you were preaching only to have been taken into protective custody. And then once you got into protective custody, then there was a bunch of guys got together and said, hey, we're, we're going we're gonna to take him out and we're going to attack. And they were going to attack and, uh, with Romans or whatever. They didn't care. They were going in to do that to take Paul's life. A and you may, not, uh, you may not have stood before a couple major courts of the land deciding your fate like Paul, but maybe you have. I don't know. And, uh, and you may not have had to file an appeal to the highest court in the land to keep your life like Paul did. E even then, he was taken from, from there to another place in pain with great adversity. But along the way and through those trials, God worked in the lives of many, many people. See, your human situation may not be the same as Paul's. It may not be exactly the same. But you still live in the same fallen world that he did. People still have some of the same adversities and tendencies today as they did back then. Sometimes people will say, well, that was a different time. It was a different time, but not all that different. And if you're, if you're willing to uh, open your heart and mind to keep the right perspective, keep the big picture in mind and allow God to work in your heart. If you're willing to cry out to him and ask him to, uh, to, to meet you in the situation that you are in or have been in and restore you, he is willing. Then be willing to actually work through the adversity that you've faced in your life. Let God show you the opportunity he's setting in front of you. Let him show you. He did it for Paul. He can do it for you. I'm not sure where you're at today. I, I don't know. I don't know the, what's inside your mind or inside your life and what you're facing. Or maybe what you have faced because sometimes what happens is we face something in life as we walk with the Lord or as we live out this life. And it becomes really difficult for us to get back to that other place. We have to allow God to work in us, transform us, spirit, soul, and body. Amen? And we need Him to help us. Amen? Maybe you need to pray this morning. Let's just bow our heads right here at this point. Don't run away. We're not done yet, but take this point, take this point and say, God, here I am.
Father, use those things that have been in my life that I have faced. Turn those things around. And may you use them as gems. May you use them as diamonds that can help cut people out of their glass box that they are living in. Father, as I pray for each person here in this place this morning, Father, I pray that you would bring healing. I pray that you would bring hope. I pray that you would bring restoration, Father God. And Father, as they open up their hearts and their minds, I pray that, Father God, that you would restore them. Father, your plan is for good. Your plan's for good for each and every one. And I pray that, Father God, for those who feel like their brokenness has seared them like a hot iron with a, with a, with a branding iron that says, you're no good. God can't do anything through your life. God can't even fix your life. You're no good. Father God, may you wipe that thing off of their mind. May you, may you wash that, that, that searing that's been taking place in their life. May you, may you take that away. May you help them to be able to understand that you have a plan that you want to work in their lives, Father God. And to keep the big picture in mind, knowing that you're here and you're available. We give you thanks, Father. We bless your name. And we honor you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God.